So last week, we finished the book of Titus. We've been working through it through the, the fall. And uh, next week, we're going to begin a, a new series on the book of Ruth. Uh, that'll take us up to, to Christmas with one break in there in the middle at some point. Uh, the Old Testament book, it's this beautiful story of redemption. I think it's going to be good for us. Um, and so this week, though, we're, we're kind of going off just a little bit. And uh, we're going to be in the Gospel of Luke. So if you've got your Bibles, you can open up to Luke chapter 10, we'll be in verse 38. And uh, so our passage here in Luke, though, it comes after the well-known parable of the Good Samaritan. You've likely heard this, even if you've never set foot in a church. Uh, a man is traveling, he finds someone injured, and uh, despite two people that were more likely to help him passing by, this, this man goes out of his way to provide for the physical needs of this, this injured man who would be considered his enemy. And then the passage after this is the Lord's Prayer. It's the prayer that we, we prayed earlier in the service, together in unity in one voice. And so set between those, those two different aspects here, and those two different uh, stories here in Luke, uh, what we've got is this story of, of Martha and Mary and, and this time when Christ shows up and visits them in their home. And uh, it's a wonderful story. I, I hope you're going to enjoy it today. <clears throat> so uh, let's, let's just read from, from God's Word and see what He's going to teach us today. So... Uh, Luke 10, verse 38. Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village. And a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken from her. The grass withers, the flower fades. Let's pray. Lord, you are so patient, so kind, and you give us wisdom in your word. Would you give us the faith to believe these wise words today? Would you change us in the way that only you can change us? We want to understand what your word means to, for Mary and, and Martha, but we also want to know what it says to our lives of, of busyness, much of which seems very necessary for life to function with order, for us to accomplish the things that really do need to be accomplished. And so please humble our hearts, and enlighten our minds this morning to, to learn from your word, Lord. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> so this is one of those stories uh, in the scripture. One of these things that we learn, these passages that really can confuse us. Um, even if you think at first you really understand it, it has that temptation to confuse us because we, we really want to know who's, who's right. You know, Mary for sitting at the feet of Jesus, or Martha for, for serving those, the needs of those who have come into her home. And we see Jesus' answer here, you know, we, it's very clear. But do you find yourself wanting to come to the defense of, of Martha? You know, Martha's, Martha's trying to, um, to take care of these guests. She's going out of her way, you know. Maybe, maybe Mary's just being lazy sitting there while Martha does all the work. In fact, it almost feels like this, this setup of a, you know, this conflict between this life of contemplation and this life of, of serving others, as if they're being pitted against each other. You know, also, it's, it's nearly 
impossible to read this without asking yourself, which one of these women do I relate to? Am I like Martha, doing, active, you know, someone who accomplishes things, or, or am I like Mary? You're more emotionally sensitive, quiet, more contemplative. And so, to, you know, to approach this passage rightly, right at the beginning, I think we've got to lay down the desire to defend whichever one of these women represents us, whichever one we find ourselves relating to. And that means that we come in humility and, and, and we're willing to listen and, and learn. And so then I want us to see that, that while these women differ in their temperament greatly, in fact, both Martha and Mary are both genuine disciples of Christ. Both want to honor him and respect him. Both love Jesus, and both of them are loved by Jesus. And so then Jesus and his disciples are, are on their way to Jerusalem. They're traveling, and they come to this town that we, we see in other places in John, that it's the town of Bethany. It's just two miles outside of Jerusalem, which is where they're headed. And so at some point, they, they meet Martha, and she welcomes Jesus into her home, which tells us that she must be a very hospitable woman, and this is the wonderful quality. You know, how would you react if, if Jesus came into your home unexpectedly, meaning you, you met him and he follow you home and come into your home? You know, would, would you want to impress him? I think we would. You know, quickly picking up the dirty underwear laying on the ground and shoving it under somewhere, cleaning as fast as you can. You know, I mean, you understand, I mean, as part of this also, Jesus is not alone. He's traveling with his disciples, which, you know, is more than a dozen people, and they just pop in. There's no way she's prepared for that. Nothing's ready. And, and still she wants to provide for them, to care for them. And so her intentions are good, her intentions are kind, and, and, and then we learn that she doesn't live alone. The passage says she has, she had a sister called Mary. Um... Martha's most likely the older sister, and they tended to be the, the, more, uh, the ones that handled this sort of hospitality and inviting people and such. And it, it seems that Martha had this expectation before anyone even got there, you know, that we'll invite these people in, and then uh, Mary and I will go and work, and we'll prepare things and be ready for them. But Mary didn't help. Mary didn't fit the expectation she has. Instead, in verse 39, it says that Mary sat at the Lord's feet and listened. Well... You know, you cannot scurry around the kitchen and also calmly sit at the feet of the Lord. You can't do those both at the same time. And so Mary had to make a choice. And she sits among the disciples listening and learning. But that's not Martha's experience at all. You know, verse 40 right there, but Martha. That's contrasting their situations. It says, but Martha was distracted by much serving. When our, our children were a few years younger, Beckham wanted to teach us this game that he, he learned in Sunday school and about Mary and Martha. And so he comes home and has us all play. And the game worked like this. Uh, I'd sit with the Bible open. Uh, and, and then Beckham and Sadie Piper and Berkeley would wander about. Uh, and, and when Laura would say the name Mary, uh, they would stop and they'd sit down and they'd listen to whatever I was reading out of the Bible. And then when Laura would yell, Martha, they would run around frantically pretending to clean things and pick things up. And, you know, the emphasis on pretending to clean things, otherwise we'd still be playing this game just about every day. Still. Um, and the game was great. It gave you this really visible sense, you know, understanding of, of the two different priorities these, these women had. Um, you know, cooking and, and cleaning and providing for one of them. And, uh, you know, her focus was on the physical needs of these people. Well... Mary was focused on Jesus. 
And so our, our passage tells us right there, again, but Martha was distracted with much serving. That the word that we translate distracted there literally means to drag something around with you. You know, in, in this case, there, she's dragging around this expectation, the things that need to be done to offer the hospitality that she thought they deserved. Now, I, I also love that it says distracted there. Does that catch you off guard? She was distracted with much serving. Because um, I'm fairly certain if I said this, I would say she was focused on serving, not distracted with much serving. You know, think about that. When, when a student's in a classroom uh, and they're supposed to be listening to the teacher in that situation, and instead she's, she's reading the poster on the walls, you know, like it's a picture of a cat hanging there or something like that. Um, and they're reading that, you know, she's distracted with reading this poster in that moment. Um, it's not a bad thing. Those posters were hung on the wall with the intention that they're to be read in the hopes that a student would read it, but this is not the moment. This is not the time for that, and that's why that would be considered distracting. And so in this moment, a good thing actually becomes a distraction. See, Martha truly believes that the priority in the moment was serving, and so while serving as hard as she can, she becomes frustrated because she looks around and she starts to see who's not pulling their weight. You know, it doesn't take long to see Mary just sitting there doing nothing. That would have been what she saw. I mean, did you ever do that? You know, Thanksgiving's coming up. You get together for Thanksgiving and you suddenly realize, you know, what you did compared to what everyone else did. Who's doing the most work to prepare this meal? Who's doing this with the children? Whatever it might be. What about here in the, the life of the covenant community? Do you ever think to yourself, you know, why didn't she serve in the nursery more? Or... You know, I, I'm helping so-and-so move today, and I noticed such, and, you know, Jim and Bob didn't show up. Where were Jim and Bob today? Um, you know, life is just full of these opportunities to evaluate, you know, your own level of serving compared to what others are doing, and yet we tend to only actually do it when we find ourselves in the favorable position, right? You know, we don't find ourselves thinking, you know, they were helping them move today. Where was I today? No one says that. And so Martha's distracted with much serving, and <clears throat> when she sees that Mary is focused on much learning, she gets upset. And she takes this concern to Jesus. She addresses him respectfully. You know, she uses the title of Lord right then. But then what does she say? Do you notice this? This is more of an accusation than anything. I mean, look for yourself. Verse 40, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? So not only is she upset at her, her sister Mary, but also at Jesus. This idea, you know, Jesus, you, you haven't told her to do what I think she should be doing. So I'm just going to assume you don't care about me. You know, she's not the only one to level these kind of accusations at Jesus. In Mark 4.38, when the disciples are crossing the sea, you remember this? They're all panicking because a storm comes. And what's Jesus do is he's sleeping. Um, and they become so upset that they wake him up. And, you know, uh, there in Mark 4.38, it says, And they woke him up and they said to him, Teacher, do you not care? That we are perishing? Do you ever find yourself questioning whether God cares because things in life don't go the way you think they should? God, I've been working so hard for your kingdom, and yet there hasn't been much fruit. Do you even care about me? God, I, I'm faithful to you, and yet my spouse is facing this or that medical issue. God, do you even care? You know, maybe it goes unspoken, but we're wondering to ourselves, Lord, do you not care? Too often, we, we, we so strongly 
desire to live in a world that just affirms, you know, Lord, <clears throat> my will be done. My will be done. Rather than, Lord, your will be done. If, you know, if our, if our own will has become the litmus test for whether God cares for us, then we fail to really see the undeniable love of God for his people in the gospel. There's nothing like it. This gospel that accomplishes redemption and forgiveness for us. So I want us to be sure that we've, we've understood the scriptures rightly, that we know that, that even Jesus himself prayed to his Father in heaven when things were going in a way that he wasn't so certain about. Not my will, but yours be done. And he followed through with that. Now in our passage, though, Martha follows up the accusations, not so much with a request to Jesus, but a command to Jesus. It's like Martha's saying, prove you care by doing what I say regarding Mary. And what she says is, tell her then to help me. You know, it's, a, it's a, as though she's saying, you can still fix this, Jesus. She wants Jesus to, to legislate Mary's behavior and without realizing it. She's asking Jesus to send Mary away from, from this place of rest, this place where she's being spiritually fed by the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. You know, any of you kind of hope that he was going to send Martha back? Like, yeah, go help your sister or Mary back. Um, you know, I mean, it's too easy to reason through. I mean, pragmatically, the, the work would have gone twice as fast. And set, in fact, send the disciples to go help too. They're just sitting around. But that, that misses the point completely because this isn't about pragmatism so much as it is about priority. And, and we live in a country, a culture that really struggles with, with putting priority into practice. We get it on paper, great, but it is very very hard to put into practice. And so how does, how does our Lord respond to Martha in this moment of her frustration? Jesus says, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken from her. Jesus knows she's anxious, not just because he's God. Everyone in the room knows she's anxious. It's usually that case with all of us, right? Jesus says her name, Martha, Martha. Uh, there's a reason for that. Just like there's a reason when your mother would say your full name, right? You were in trouble in that situation. That's not the case here. There, there's seven other instances in Scripture where someone is referred to by name twice just like this. Abraham, Abraham. When God asked him to sacrifice his son Isaac. Jacob, Jacob. When Joseph, his father, learned that his son was not dead as he has long believed to be the case. Moses, Moses, when God spoke to him out of the burning bush. Samuel, Samuel, during the night when God calls him to be, be a prophet, a spokesperson for him. Simon, Simon, when Peter is told that he will betray Jesus three times before the rooster crows. Saul, Saul, when Jesus encounters this future apostle. Now he's on his way to Damascus to persecute Christians. And of course, Jesus himself uses these words when he is on the cross and he prays, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? See, the significance in this, this repetitiveness, using their name twice, is, is really about this, this intimacy. There's a closeness, there's a love. It's, um, you know, sometimes there's correction, sometimes there's a calling to something, but in every instance, there is this intimacy between the people talking. The same is true here. You know, even in this midst of, a, of this call to a different practice, a priority, he's communicating this correction is because I do care. Which really answers her previous question, right? Lord, do you not care? Martha, Martha, I do care. 
And he continues speaking to Martha, saying, You are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. So what is this, this one thing Jesus is talking about? Um, truth is, we don't really need much as the children of God. We don't. I mean, we want things. We want technology. I'm just as guilty as anyone. We want entertainment. We want cultural experiences for ourselves, our children, our friends. You know, we want degrees and titles and all sorts of accolades. We want nicer homes and cars and clothes. And, and yet, deep down, we already know that we really don't need them. You know, what we really need at any given point is, is Christ. And we receive him by grace through faith, which is wonderful because it requires absolutely nothing financially. Um, you know, the gospel is the one thing that we need for the sake of eternity. And it's the one thing that can't be lost by old age or by flood or by fire or by war or disease or anything else. It's ours in times of prosperity. It's ours in times of poverty. Uh, Martha's story here, and this, this is an example of the, the sower of seeds parable. You know, in Mark 4.19, we learn that the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke out the word, and it proves unfruitful. You know, that first phrase, the, the cares of the world in this moment have distracted Martha from sitting at the feet of the Lord and learning. In our, our passage then, you know, Jesus explains to her, Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken away from her. This, this isn't an encouragement towards laziness. Don't hear that. You know, laziness is not a biblical virtue. In fact, if, you know, it wouldn't glorify God if you just sat around all day reading Scripture and praying while your home and your education and your career just wasted away. However, it, it does lead us to, to ask this question, you know, am I, what am I most concerned about today? My to-do list? my savior you know would i rather have a spotless clean room or a house or or, or um, a heart full of joy having spent time in, with christ and his word and the truth is that's a simple question you all know the answer to it but you know how we really live that out is not so simple because this is this nagging objection that continues to hang on that you know this is unreasonable you know eventually the hosts are going to have to prepare some food for their guests and so this is what we've got to understand. Now is not the moment. That's the situation happening with Mary and Martha. Now is not the moment. It's, it's about not just having right priorities intellectually. It's about actually practicing those priorities. I mean, you ever find yourself around someone who won't just stop moving and doing things? They're, they're cleaning or they're messing with their phone or, or whatever it might be. And you just, you just want them to stop for a moment. Stop and rest and talk to me. Do you ever get the, the feeling that, you know, I mean, do you ever get the feeling that your spouse or your children or your roommate wants to say to you, hey, would you just stop and, and sit with me for a moment? See, the idea of this is, is far-reaching, but, but the context of our, our passage here is very specific. Jesus is telling Martha or telling us that Mary chose the good portion, the good portion. You know, a half dozen times in the Psalms, God himself is referred to as, as the portion that is truly satisfying. Lord, you are my portion. And there's something else implied here with this idea of a, a portion. It means there is a whole, there's something more, right? If I ate a, a portion of a pie, which is like a half a pie, I think it's a portion, uh, that assumes that there's more pie, right? <clears throat> um, and so what Jesus is saying is, is yes, 
there are things that need to be get to, 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 yeah. that need to get done. There is another portion, but but hospitality, you know, isn't going to happen if we all sit around and do nothing. The homeless aren't going to get fed if all we do is go to Bible studies. Our families aren't going to be cared for very well if we decide one day we're going to forgo laundry and meals and we're just going to do family devotions all the time. But in this moment, there is something more important than being busy and productive. In this situation, Mary is anxious and troubled, bitter at her sister, upset at Jesus' lack of enforcing her views. And and meanwhile, there's Mary sitting at the feet of the Lord, listening and learning. In this moment of time, Jesus says, that's the good portion. And I keep telling you this, this idea, you know, practicing priority. Um, it's like Jesus says in Matthew 6.32, For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Um, see, we're more aware of the kingdom of God when we're, when we're resting in Jesus than any other way. That's why Jesus corrects Martha here, not Mary. You know, the correction isn't cruel. He's helping Martha to realign her actions with the values of God's kingdom. And, and the difficult part then of a passage like this is it's, it's not universally applicable. Um, what I mean is every, every situation you're in is going to be a little different. And, you know, uh, if I go outside and I, I dig my hands into the dirt, the dirt's going to stick into my hands here in Kansas. Uh, but if I go to Arizona and I do the same thing, that, that dirt's going to break apart and uh, blow away in the breeze. And so we've got to learn, you know, in each situation how to choose what is, is best from any number of things that are good. Uh, in fact, many hours later in this exact same house with the exact same people there, uh, food was going to be a, a greater, um, greater priority. But not in this moment. And that's why, you know, this is, this is where she has chosen the good thing. Um, and she's chosen the good portion. And it will not be taken from her because uh, it's a spiritual thing. It's an eternal thing that's beneficial for her. Meanwhile, Martha was, was distracted, being busy with something good in her home, serving her guests. How many times have you been distracted with good things, right? Um, that's kind of where life goes, so often the same thing. And you might wonder, you know, why did I choose a passage like this? Uh, well, one, because Ruth we're going to do in four weeks, which leaves a gap in there somewhere. But, um, you know, a few weeks ago, <clears throat> while Laura and I were in, in Kansas City and, and on vacation and... Um, and at that time, it, it occurred to me that the last Sunday before I'd preached was, was way back in July. And uh, in the weeks leading up to that week off, I'd, I'd slowly found myself um, feeling tired. Uh, and so I would try to be more efficient in that tiredness. Uh, the idea being, you know, finish the liturgy, finish the bulletin, finish the sermon, uh, the teaching for this or that. Whatever it is that needs to be done, just do it and do it as quickly as you can. And, and there was this, this busyness, and I'm not saying there weren't wonderful things that I learned during that time, but um, <clears throat> I'd learned something and I'd, I'd keep moving. It's kind of that feeling when you're served wonderful food, but there's no time, and so you just eat it as fast as you can, and you know it's good, but you, you don't really get to enjoy it. And, and so I was trying to, to live at Martha's pace while, while keeping Mary's priorities, and I found that you just can't. Um, so that week off, I wasn't preparing anything. I, I wrote on paper, like the stuff made out of trees. Um, and I read slowly, and I, I just read a passage over and over, noticing the nuances in it, answering questions that came up. I'd follow cross-references, and, and, and all very slowly with prayer, with no intentions beyond anything except for 
feeding my soul on this, my own enjoyment. So can I ask you something? When was the last time you did that? You know, when was the last time you didn't read a devotion or a portion of scripture just to check it off your list? All right, devotion's done. What's next? Um, done. Moving on. You know, when was the last time you just slowed down like that? And I asked you that because I, I want you to do that. Um, this, this week, you know, you've got seven days ahead of you right now. This week, some, some part of your day early in the morning at the slowness of the afternoon when a child goes to sleep or, or if you're really weird, one of those people that likes to stay up late, I don't understand you, but uh, if that's what works best for you, you know, find a time, read and pray and think slowly. I, I encourage you, you know, try using paper, a notebook if you're going to write, just so you're not distracted by anything else that's going to pop up on there, you know. Um, let me also ask you, you know, what, what is it that distracts you from sitting at the Lord, uh, at the feet of the Lord? Because we all got it, habit, got to at least be grammatically, grammatically proper. You know, housework, cleaning, your, your career, ministry, you know, what is it? Because some of the excuses are amazing, right? You know, I'm parenting a, a child who is up all the time and I'm absolutely exhausted. All right, who can argue with that? Uh, or a teenager that's got me up all night. Uh, you know, men, uh, when you see this passage, you know, I think there's this temptation to... Uh, to not see yourself in it, you know? <clears throat> would it change, you know, would it help if we changed the setting? You know, Bob was, was busy, he's outside chopping wood, and meanwhile, you know, Joe was sitting inside just having a beer with Jesus, you know, whatever it might be. <laughs> you know, it, there's so many things that distract you. This isn't, you know, this isn't a gender-based passage by any means. You know, has career become too ultimate for you? Again, the opposite's not lazy. The question is, has it become too ultimate for you? Are, you? are you busy providing everything your family needs that you fail to just sit and listen to the word of God and the scriptures? You know, are we too busy at times even just providing spiritually good things for our children, you know? I take you to church every week. Check that off. You know, shouldn't we also be seeking to sit at the feet of the Lord? Um, certainly most of us feel the weight of being busy. That's just the world we live in today. Students, you've got students, you've got projects, reading, paper, test, work, organizations, friendships, dating or talking, whatever that means. Uh, <clears throat> parents, you've got difficult sleep schedules or driving older children around like you're their personal Uber. Um, you're exhausted. You in the army life, I, you know, you have such strange schedules sometimes. Spouses away for months and, and months at a time. Or here locally, but following such strange orders that it just removes any rhythm from your life. You know, I, I wake up every day with this to-do list, and I love it. I, I'm a to-do list guy. Um, and I want to just start knocking things off that list. And, and so choosing slowness, choosing the one thing that Mary chooses here, uh, to sit at the feet of, of Christ there, that has to be intentional. And it is not easy. Because it means productivity is going to go down, right? Uh, so we're learning to, to choose what is better and that means seeking to be satisfied in Christ, uh, even if that means that our, our tasks are going to be pushed off for a little while. And so we have to ask ourselves every morning, what's it going to be today? Is it going to be go, go, go like Martha? Or am I going to choose the good portion like Mary? Uh, let me ask you just one more thing about this, this passage. Do you ever wonder what it, 
What exactly did Jesus teach as Mary sat at his feet? What was he teaching her? Do you see it there? Yeah, you don't. It's not there. And that's, that's kind of the point, right? Martha doesn't know because she wasn't there, just like us. Isn't that the point of you listening right now? Isn't that the point of small groups and quiet times and scripture and devotions and making time to get to RUF or crew or whatever it is? Um, you know, to actually hear what God has to teach us in his word? You know, on any given Sunday uh, during worship, I'm prone to misspeak. You've already seen it many times a day. I, I'm going to preach crummy sermons. The musicians are going to make mistakes. We're going to forget to assign ushers and panic at the last second. Uh, we're going to have too few cups in the communion tray, and we'll panic. Um, but we come every Sunday, you know, and, and even if we're serving, even if we find ourselves in moments with just the vigor of Martha, we, you know, we've got to find times when we can sit and, and just seek to, to, to have this temperament of Mary who, who let go of perfection. We'll get food later, Jesus is speaking. You know, to sit and to listen to whatever it is God has to teach us in that moment. And so let us learn to, to choose the good portion. Um, so I'm going to close. I've got the, the, the statement, or I don't know what you call it, words from Table Talk. Uh, it actually was on this, and I read it a while back, and I found it, and it's great. Um, I'll just read it, and then we'll close. Fallen human beings need the weekly routine of listening, which requires a halt to the questioning, philosophizing, and speculation we so often entertain. Mary was commended by the Lord because she chose what was best. She knew that when the Lord speaks, we are to listen, absorb, and delight in hearing his voice. There's a time and a place for discussion and asking questions about God's word. It serves a real purpose, but frankly, it matters much more what God has to say than what we have to say. That's why we seek opportunities to, to sit under the Lord, uh, the word of the Lord, reading it when it's preached, taught, Sunday school. Let's pray.